We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spurs Up Show, presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, joined, as always, with my co-host and my colleague, Thomas Floyd. we got a ton of packed show for you guys today. We're going to be talking the Gamecocks offense, our season preview series. We start today with the offense going into 2018. Also have an interview with a very, very special guest coming up later in the show. But first, if you're not subscribed yet, this is definitely the perfect time to do so. Like I said, we've had a ton of big guests on. Obviously, a lot of you saw we had Ryan Alinsky. Uh, we've got more guests on the way leading up to football season. We're getting closer and closer to kickoff, just 32 days away now. This is the perfect time to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your media, wherever you consume your podcast, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet by far. So be sure to go check us out there. Also, of course, follow us on our social media handles. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Armchair S Car. Also, our our podcast is on Twitter at The Spurs Up Show. Pretty self-explanatory there. Uh, and again, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans, armchairallamericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Please be sure to go check us out on armchairallamericans.com for all of your latest breaking game news coverage. Our podcast, of course, we also cover an array of sports from coll- collegiate to professional, anything you can think of. We're even doing esports. So please go check us out. A lot of exciting stuff happening over at armchairallamericans.com. So as I do every single time, every single week, I welcome my co-host, Thomas Floyd. Tom, it's good to have you on last week. I, I must say you did a uh, pretty fantastic job with the Ryan Holinsky interview, and I think the uh, the hundreds of listeners we had on would agree as well, but it's great to have you back on. I mean, dude, I'm a beast. Like, what else can you say? I mean, I probably was that, was that our biggest show as far as listen-wise? So second biggest to me and Steven Garcia. So you, okay. still, you still don't have that one on me. Well, eventually one day, me and the true listeners of the show will get there. The OGs who have been there since day one with me supporting me on the show, we're gonna get, we're gonna beat you one day. We're gonna get there, but scrape <laughs> hey, me back. We can get Garcia on again, and you can run that one. So I yeah. think that that may be your only chance. Maybe, or maybe if we can get like Connor Shaw or Marcus Lattimore, maybe one of those guys would jump be, on for us. It probably have to be like much chance. I, if we could get like a, a five minute interview with Spurrier, I think that would beat anything anyone's ever done on any yeah, I mean, Gamecock podcast. 
I think that would probably be any any podcast biggest show. But um, yeah. we're gonna start this this episode just like we do every every uh, every episode, kind of something lighthearted, a little funny. We're gonna do our favorite news story of the week. Uh, I'm gonna start my favorite news story of the week, Tom. There's another scandal going on in Gainesville. So for those of you that may have missed it, the Florida program just continues to be in the news for all the wrong reasons. As you know, last year they had the the entire credit card fraud scandal, which I think cost I think 12 players their 2017 seasons. Um, right now, a really weird story as far as a, a local gambler in the Gainesville area that had some connections to players that, um, you know, just a lot of back and forth. I don't, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know all the details on it, but just and more negative news for the Florida Gators program. And I'm sure Hamill is interested in what exactly he's gotten himself into right now, but just crazy to see. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it pans out if anything comes out of it, but just, just a wild scene down in, uh, down in game. Saying whenever my new story of the week, uh, was hail versus sports talk. For those of you who don't know, or aren't on Twitter, uh, sports talk, Tweeted today some, I guess, VIP information from the Big Spur that was. They said, per the Big Spur, USC signee wide receiver Taquan Johnson did not qualify and will enroll at Fork Union Prep for this season. Hope to enroll in January. And then Hale tweeted back at him and thanks for sharing our VIP info on Twitter, Phil. And they went back and forth with each other, and it was just a hilarious thing where Hale continuously roasted Corn Blunt, which we can all appreciate. That's a new story away for me. Yeah, I mean, it's anytime there's uh, there's drama within the South Carolina media, I think everybody pays attention and gets a good laugh out of it, including us. Yeah. So, <laughs> really funny to see. But usually let's jump right in. We're the ones uh, involved. Yeah. Well, hopefully not. I, I'm I'm trying to. We're trying to get a little better at that. But <laughs> uh, let's, let's jump right into it. Um, our season preview series starting today. We're going to talk offense. And Tom, I'm really really excited to dive into this one because I mean, I think this is going to be the big storyline going into the 2018 season. Really quickly, just looking back at 2017, um, South Carolina, you know, averaged 337.1 yards per game a year ago, which was 12th in the SEC, 109th nationally, and 24.2 points per game, which was also 12th in the SEC uh, and 99th nationally. The Gamecocks coming into the season, they they return actually eight starters on offense. Um, the four guy or the their big three losses, I would say, are tight end Hayden Hurst, center Allen Knott, and uh, Corey Helms at guard, but. You know, just quickly, just touching on 2017, you know, Tom, this was obviously an offense that really, really struggled. Um, I saw six of their 12 games, I believe, or maybe six of the 13 games um, that they played a year ago. South Carolina scored 17 points or less. And for the hype and the expectations that this offense had a year ago going into 2017, I mean, I remember us on this exact show a year ago talking about how good we thought that offense would be. You know, I predict them to score 30 points per game, which – uh, obviously they fell short of. So, um, I, you know, you can cite a lot of that back to the offensive scheme. And obviously Kurt Roper is no longer on this staff. It's Brian McClendon's staff, uh, offense now. He's the OC. You bring in Dan Warner as the quarterback coach, which takes us into kind of our top storylines for 2018. You know, my biggest thing, Tom, and the thing I think that people really aren't talking about enough, and I think I may have said this to you before, the thing I think people just aren't talking about enough when they talk about this Gamecocks team this year, when they factor in, how good of a team South Carolina is going to be is the offensive scheme that Brian McClendon is going to bring is the improvement that Dan Warner is going to bring being Jake Bentley's quarterback coach, quarterback guru. <laughs> because for me, I, I just really believe you look at last year where South Carolina struggled. It was creativity on offense, inability to adapt and adjust in game as far as making adjustments. Uh, and that really hindered this team. I mean, you could see it in Jake Bentley's eyes multiple times where he looked like he was overthinking things on the field. Obviously, 
injuries played a huge, huge role as well. I don't want to skip over that 2017. South Carolina had three starting O-linemen go down with injuries. You had Debo Samuel obviously go down in the third game. You had Rico Dowdle go out for extended time. So this offense was definitely snake bit by injuries a year ago. But, Tom, talk about kind of, you know, taking into what happened in 2017. South Carolina obviously gets the new old coordinator, Brian McClendon, internal promotion. He, you know, is the coordinator for the Michigan game. We saw kind of what happened in the spring game with, you know, I think one of the reasons just going back to why I think people aren't really factoring in McClendon and Werner as much as they should, because I don't think people are totally convinced that South Carolina is really going to go as up-tempo as they say, because Will Muschamp said that from day one that he wanted to go up-tempo, and Kurt Roper obviously never established it. But talk about kind of your feelings about, you know, I think a lot of us had hype going into last season. A lot of us have hype coming in this season. What makes it different in 2018 that this offense you have a feeling or do you have a feeling that they're actually going to produce at the level we think they are this fall? Well, you know, with last season, I always thought that, you know, if Debo stays healthy the whole year, and obviously with him being such a huge, a huge part of the offense and on special teams with him being a great, obviously a great kick returner, if he stays healthy, we have a good year on offense. And obviously he goes down the third game, the offense goes to crap. You go to scoring 35 on NC State, you had – Number like I think five pick in the draft last year for a defensive end. I can't think I can't remember where he went exactly at, but you go from playing NC State, you know, winning that neutral site game 35 28, then going on the road to Missouri, winning 31 13. And you go from that to laying an egg at home in one of the most hyped games that probably ever at South Carolina for them to be. You know, you win that game and then you're ranked. And then they lose that game, and just all the hype for the rest of the year goes down the drain, which it should – it really – I mean, it was deserved that the hype went away. But I think that this year a lot of the offense success is going to ride on whether or not Debo can stay healthy and if there's a decent running game. Because Jake is not the type of quarterback to me who can sit in the pocket and throw for 5,000 yards like um, the lock – Drew Locke from Missouri can. I don't think they're the same quarterback. I don't think the offense is the same. And I think with McClendon being back there instead of Roper – him being, I think he's going to be more. Um, I think he's going to be more inclined to go to the running attack than uh, Roper was with McClendon calling plays. I have a lot more confidence than this year. Yeah. Oh, and I 100% agree. And I mean, I, I made a joke earlier, I think a couple of months ago, or I've, I've made the joke fairly often. I think anyone at this point would have been an upgrade from. From Kurt Roper, I mean, all due respect, I think the guy knows football. I think if you sat down with him and talked offense, I think he'd probably talk your ear off and you you know, the, the common man like us would probably be confused by the end of it because the man knows so much offense. But I really just think in-game, being able to make adjustments, having any sort of creativity. I mean, we talked about it the other uh, – earlier this week in our, uh, you know, South Carolina Slack channel. We were kind of chatting about the offense. And uh, one of our writers, Noah Pathea, was actually watching – re-watching the South Carolina-Missouri game from a year ago and was talking about the predictability, predictability of the offense. And, I mean, I 100% agree. I mean, there are games – it's pretty bad when there are games I'm sitting there watching every – you know, they're in the shotgun. You got a back to your right. Every time Hayden Hurst goes in motion across the line, it's a run. Every single time, every single time. Every time South Carolina's in a third and one, fourth and one. Line up in a bunch formation, handoff of the middle. I mean, it wasn't – it was pretty elementary stuff. But, you know, to one point you made talking about the running game, and, you know, it's obviously going to fall a lot on the offensive line, which I want to jump into first. Because in my opinion, again, a position unit for South Carolina that maybe isn't getting enough talk but I think is going to maybe be the most important to South Carolina success this season is the offensive line. you got three starters returning. I think it's about 71 starts overall. I'm really intrigued to see with the running game, 
just how the new scheme helps that offensive line out. Because obviously, when you're going a little bit more up tempo, you know, you're getting getting, getting a little bit more speed. I, I think blocking assignments maybe get a little bit easier for these guys, more so like zone blocking schemes versus like a man on man type deal. So I'm really just intrigued. Again, I'm going to talk scheme a lot because I really do think they're going to make a commitment to an entire new new offensive scheme this year. I just I just can't see a scenario. I think Will Muschamp recognizes that football, college football right now is fast. Spread, 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 tempo, tempo, tempo. And I think he understands, and I think McClendon and Dan Warner do as well, that you have to run that type of offense to have the success they're looking for. So starting with the offensive line again, I, I, you have three starters returning. Um, I think your most talented offensive lineman returns at Zach Bailey who slides back over to guard, which is his more natural position. He should be the day one starter at left guard. Um, the the big thing to me, Tom, talking about this, this offensive line, and you got to feel confident about him. He was nominated for a preseason award. Donnell Stanley, he moves to center. Uh, you know, like I said, was uh, nominated for the Remington Award for the top center in college football. So obviously the guy's got talent. But to me, anytime you have a new center on the offensive line, it's definitely a talking point because that is the quarterback of your offensive line. That's the one that makes all the calls. He makes all the checks. You know, obviously the quarterback, uh, the uh, quarterback or center quarterback exchange on the snap is very important under center and shotgun. So to me, how does Donnell Stanley handle that transition? And if he can handle it well, I think it's going to be a huge plus for the South Carolina offensive line. But, you know, the good news for South Carolina from a year ago when they had all the injuries, they had a bunch of young guys play. They do have some experience coming back. The top six, Will Muschamp cited, he's extremely comfortable with those guys. And then from there, you got a lot of youth and, and inexperience behind them. Not saying you don't have a lot of talent, but it's a lot of youth and experience. Talk about kind of your feelings on the offensive line as we move into 2018 in a fall camp. I mean, what are your feelings overall on the Gamecocks offensive line as of right now? Well, I feel good. I think the offensive line as a whole is athletically a lot better than last year. It's not to say that Corey Helms and Allen not weren't good players. I just think that moving Sidarius Hutchinson is a guy that no one's really talking about. I think that could have a really big year. And then you have Donnell Stanley at center who can be, you know, he's obviously a good player and a great talent considering he's on the Remington award list, like you said, the preseason award list. And I think that moving Zach Bailey in a guard, back in a guard, his natural position and where he's going to play in the NFL, and he's considered a very highly titled prospect according to a lot of NFL analysts. I just think that you have to have a really good feeling about them this year. Because I think when you compare this team to, say, like a Clemson or a Georgia, I think Zach Bailey could start on any offense line in the SEC. I would think that. And that when you have a guy on that on your offense line who's like that kind of player, you, you know you're doing something well on the offense line. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think the thing I love about Zach Bailey moving back to the inside, uh, you know, at the guard, two guards in center, you've got Zach Bailey, Donnell Stanley, and like you said, Sidarius Hutchinson. you got three guys over 300 pounds there. I think having being much bigger on the interior offensive line is going to help them out a lot in the running game. You surely think it would. Um, then you've got guys like Dennis Daly out at left tackle. He should be uh, the transfer from Georgia Military College. Had 11 starts a year ago. You've got Malik Young. If he can return from injury problems, I think he's a guy. He had four starts a year ago. He was one of those linemen to get hurt. I mean, he's a guy. He's a redshirt senior. He's played a ton for South Carolina. He's got a ton of experience. He's a guy you feel really good about. Um, and then your other tackle spot, you've got Blake Camper, who's a guy, again, had two starts a year ago, but he played in 13 different games. Um, is a guy that has a ton of experience, another senior. So, I mean, overall, I think South Carolina, again, to me, the – 
maybe not all of the success, but a, a large, large portion of the success. And we're going to find a lot about this offensive line early when you take on a team like Georgia, who's stacked on the on the defensive side of the ball. But this offensive line, it, it, to me, that that's going to kind of be what I'm looking for the most. What what kind of comes out of this? And you'll hear in our interview later in this show with Michael Felder, he actually agrees. He thinks the offensive line, if South, it's going to be the difference between South Carolina having a, a good season versus the potential of being able to have a great season. And I 100% agree. And like I said, I just it's going to be really interesting to see how those guys mesh. But I think if they can, this offense can be really, really explosive. Um, moving into you know a pretty important position itself, the quarterback position. Um, Jake Bentley obviously returns as your starter, the, the uh, junior. Um, had a pretty solid season last year through 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Um, struggled in the last four games of the year or so. Um, really, really struggled. You saw his struggles against Florida. Obviously, Clemson ate him up. Um, Michigan, for a better part of three quarters, he was pretty pedestrian. But um, obviously, this is going to be a huge year, in my opinion, for Jake Bentley. You know, we talked about in our position unit previews, or I did, just talked about kind of Bentley, what this season means for him, um, you know, as far as, you know, moving forward, not only for himself personally, not only for South Carolina, but also his – you know, his NFL potential. I mean, th- there have been some people that think he could be a top, you know, three or four round draft pick. I mean, whether he is or not is going to determine a lot on his play. But, you know, a, a year ago, again, I mean, was right about right at about 62% of his completion percentage, almost 2,800 yards, again, 18 touchdowns, 12 picks. Uh, you know, talk about, Tom, in your opinion, what's the biggest thing, what's the biggest jump you want to see Jake Bentley make from his sophomore season to his junior campaign? Well, well, I think he has to be more careful with the ball. I mean, this year he had, what, 18 touchdowns and 12 interceptions or something like that? 12 picks, yep, 12 picks. I mean, that's that's way too many in my opinion. And I think that if he can learn to take care of the ball more, and I think a lot of his interceptions last year were based on Roper's incompetent offense. And I think that, like Muschamp said and Billy has said multiple times, that the faster he plays, the better he plays. And you can see that in the spring game with the way he played, that when he they were getting the ball out fast and he was making quick decisions when he was playing his best in the spring game. And that's his freshman year when he played his best against like teams like Tennessee. And I know it's UMass, but when he played well against UMass, it was because he was making quick decisions. I think when, if he can get back to that this year and actually show up in some big games like Clemson and Georgia and Florida, then we're going to be pretty set for a great year. Yeah, and you make a great point, Tom. We we actually had that conversation. I completely forgot about that when you talked about how Jake Bentley looked in his freshman year versus last year. I, I definitely think, and Jake Bentley's references too, that South Carolina going more up tempo, you know, with the new scheme they have is probably the best thing to happen to him in his college career. And you made the great point from his freshman year. I really think, you know, he's a guy that really just needs to go back there and sling it around. He doesn't need to do a whole lot of thinking. Not to say he can't. He's obviously an extremely smart football player, but I think anytime. I think maybe last season they may have put too much on his plate last year. I mean, he's, you know, I hate to keep throwing out the young card for him because it's just overplayed and overplayed, you know, talking about Jake Bentley when he should have been in high school, stuff like that. But, I mean, he should be a sophomore this year. So he's not some, you know, he he's not like a 22-year-old senior, 21-year-old senior. This is still kind of a young kid, and I think a year ago I'm not sure if he was quite ready for all that maybe, like you're saying, Kurt Roper was trying to put on his plate. And I think this year, speeding up the offense, sort of simplifying things, catch and throw, more so knowing where the routes are going. Again, I just think the tempo, the up-tempo offense should help him out a lot. My biggest thing for me, and a good friend of our show, Brad Crawford, made this reference on Twitter. I've agreed with him and also made this reference in the past as well. To me, Jake Bentley's just got to be better in big games. The games against Georgia, 
Clemson, not just him. I understand the entire offense, the entire team needs to be better. But when you're talking about taking care of the football, I I was at that Florida game a season ago. Florida was not that great of a team. I know they've got some dudes on the defensive side, but Jake Bentley just extremely careless with the football. Uh, you know, I think of the you know the miracle catch we've all seen the Hayden Hurst catch in which he like one handed it, but that was an absurd play that should have never happened. Jake Bentley just flailing the ball up, kind of threw his head back and just tossed the ball up, you know, throwing up a prayer. Like you said, he's got to be more careful with the football. I mean, he's got to be able to take care of the ball. He's got to be able to show up, in my opinion, and play top-notch little football against top-notch competition. And, I, I mean, you know, I talked a little bit about this with Barrett Salee a little you know, a little while ago, a couple months ago. I'm a little worried that Jake Bentley might have a little bit of an Air Murray syndrome to him, which is that he can't seem to find a way to win the big game when the lights come on for him. Sometimes they seem a little too bright. Again, I know he was young last year, and this is going to be a big season to prove me wrong and to prove that he can win that big game. But, you know, against Clemson, against Georgia, against Florida, against some of the bigger competition, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I feel like in the past he seemed he seemed a little jittery and a little uneasy back there, maybe not quite as confident as I'd like to see my starting quarterback. No, you're right. He was, he was shook like the entire – and against any team when we played them, they were – I mean – more or less, I would say Georgia last year where he wasn't that bad compared to the other games. But I know for a fact against Florida, he was awful. And Clemson both years, he's completely crap. I mean, for lack of a better term, crapped his pants when the lights came on. And I mean, I know it's Clemson and they're one of the top teams in the country. And it's, it's not easy to play against them when you have an incompetent offense last year. And he wasn't really, I would say, comfortable with it. It's harder on him. But he has to be able to play better in those games for South Carolina to be successful. And for them to – have a chance to win the SECs because if he don't win that game two, that week two game against Georgia, then it's going to be a long year for us. I would think most fans are a lot of fans the entire season in their head is dedicated to that game, and I understand it could not be determined on that game, and there are other things that could come into play. But that is that game is such a big determiner, and it's so early in the season. I think that Bentley has to start out well and start out on a good note against Coastal and then come out and throw the ball well against Georgia. Even if we lose, I think he has to play well for him to be able to even be considered an NFL prospect. Yeah, and I was going to say that too. You know, fair or unfair, there are a lot of people putting a lot of stock in that Week 2 game, and if South Carolina is going to have the kind of season they want to have, they really need to find a way to maybe win that football game. If nothing else, like you're saying, I think Jake Bentley needs to just show he can play well in a big game like that. I mean, that if nothing else, I mean – if, if Jake Bentley throws for 300 yards and South Carolina loses a 31-28 or a 28-24 game, God forbid, you know, I think it, you feel a lot better as a South Carolina fan coming out of that game saying, well, you know, we lost to Georgia, but, you know, they did go to the national title game a year ago. We've got 10 more games left on the schedule. You can still get to a double-digit win season versus if South Carolina really struggles on offense, Jake Bentley throws three or four interceptions and just really doesn't look good doing it, South Carolina fans are really going to become disgruntled. Maybe unfairly so, but that's just the world we live in with big-time college football. So, again, it's going to be interesting. I'm not trying to knock Jake Bentley. I don't want anybody to think that. It's the offense all incorporated as one struggled against top-notch competition. But as the starting quarterback, as a leader, to take that next step, you can't – you know, there's a saying, you don't ever let them see you sweat. And that's the biggest thing for me with Jake Bentley. Don't ever let them see you sweat. You can't look timid back there, look scared back there. You've got to be the leader of this football team. And, again, I feel very, very confident that he's going to do that and will look much, much better in a more up-tempo, quick scheme. So I think scheme is going to help him a ton. I want to touch a little bit on some of the backups um, 
Tom, as far as the quarterback position, because there's a, there's there are some interesting storylines as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. Obviously, you've got Michael Skarnecki, your backup quarterback, who's a I believe he's a redshirt senior. Um, didn't attempt to pass last season. It's funny. Jake Bentley was the only guy to attempt to pass last season, except Hayden Hurst threw one pass, which was I thought pretty funny. But uh, Michael Skarnecki is your backup. He's a redshirt senior, and then it gets very very interesting from there. You got Jay Yurick, the redshirt freshman. You've got to carry on Joiner, the true freshman, Mr. Football in 2017. He comes in as a true freshman, obviously an extremely dynamic athlete. You know, you saw it in the spring game, his running ability. He's not very polished as a passer. I, I'm kind of torn on, you know, I've heard some people say that he, sh- he will play. I've heard some people say that they think he absolutely should not play. Tom, I- I'm in the camp that with the new redshirt rule, you get up to four games. I- I'd be pretty surprised to not see to carry on Joiner see the field at some point in the season. And you obviously hope that Jake Bentley and that offense can get you out to a big enough lead in games like Coastal, Marshall, Chattanooga, where, you know, the carry on joiner should get some snaps. But in my opinion, it's it's in, it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow through the season. But I think the carry on joiner might need to be a guy you kind of get a look at in some of those smaller games. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think that him and Yurik should at least get looks in those games if we're up by a lot. Or even if we're getting killed, I think they should get a chance to come play in. But, I mean, you're obviously looking over Skarnekia then, which I guess he understands at this point. He is what it is. He's a college backup. But I think that, you know, I think fans want to see Joyner. And I don't – obviously, I know Will Muschamp doesn't really care what fans think about the way he runs his offense and his team. But I just think that if, if you let it let us see them in a game, it'll give you better hope about what they could do whenever they're actual real starters in the SEC. If, the, if Jay Yurick or on Joyner ever become that South Carolina, that's, that could be tough with Ryan, Ryan Holinsky coming in. You never know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, that you know, that's that's a different conversation for a different day as far as what is the quarterback competition like in 2020 or even next year. But, you know, I'll say this as far as in regards to – I you know, I talked about this a little bit in my quarterback position unit preview. I, I 100% think that Michael Skarnecki is a, you know, formidable backup. He can – you know, God forbid, again, Jake Bentley gets hurt. But Michael Skarnecki can do some good things, but you have to look at it in this this sense. Michael Skarnecki is a redshirt senior. on Joyner and Jay Yurick are going to be your quarterbacks of the future. And at that point, when you're playing garbage time, me personally, I'd rather see the guy that's going to be at South Carolina for the next three to four years than the guy that has 11 games left in his in his college career. So be, be that as it may, maybe it's unfair, but, hey, that's just the reality of the situation. So um, moving to a really, really intriguing position here, Tom, I want to talk about running back. Um, we actually previewed this position today. Um very, very interesting again. I mean, you've got all four. You've got your top four guys coming back. They're all juniors. You've got a ton of experience in this position. Um, it's all led by junior Rico Dowdle. you got the junior Tyson Williams. You've got the junior A.J. Turner. And then you've got the junior Mon Benson rounding them all out. Um, to me, Tom, the biggest question for this, this unit, because Will Muschamp talked about it at SEC Media Days, he feels extremely comfortable about running back, wide receiver, and tight end as far as their depth at those skill positions. And who can blame him? I mean, we're about to talk about the South Carolina wide receivers and how that how much of a beast of a unit that is. And then tight end, even with the deport, departure of Hayden Hurst, you've got four to five guys that I think could fill that role very, very successfully. But talking about running back, I mean, you've got four guys that are capable that all scored a, a season ago. To me, Tom, the biggest question is, and I think last season they struggled with this because it was very running back by committee coming into last fall. They, you know, they didn't really – feel the need, I guess, to establish number one. We're just going to go with the hot hand. To me, I think you need a number one back as a guy to say, hey, 
when the going gets tough, when it's third and one, when it's fourth and one, and we need a first, we're giving the ball to X. Am I wrong for thinking that? Can do you think that this this backfield can work off of a committee format more so than what I'm saying, or do you think they need to establish a number one back and then kind of have the other guys sort of fill in roles and needs as as they come along? Well, I mean, I think that in my opinion, I think that either Rico or Tyson. Williams needs to come in as number one back. I don't think that there needs to be a – it's a good problem to have that you have two good backs that can both be starters. But I think that, you know, I would – I think I would go with Rico with the way I know he's played in big games before. And Tyson's been a guy who's been good on the practice field and hasn't translated on the football field yet, but in spurts. And I think that, you know, Rico – not Rico. AJ is obviously what he is. He's a third down back, getting space and getting the ball, letting him make plays. And I think that, you know, if Rico can separate himself and be the number one back, the true number one back, I think that'll be the best route for success for South Carolina's running game this year. I think that's what's going to have to happen for them to be good. I don't – it's not that the running back back committee can't work, but I think that it's – the better option is for have a, a true bell cow and then let others work off of him. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, the running back position, it's just – it's so intriguing because the guys you have, I mean – you know, Rico Dowdle, to me, he's the best running back on the roster. And this is no knock on any of the guys, especially not a knock on A.J. Turner, because when I say he's the best, I think he's the best overall rounded running back. I think A.J. Turner's the most consistent by far. You can look at the stats and the numbers. I mean, A.J. Turner ran for, I think, 531, 531 yards a year ago. He averaged 5.4 yards a carry. I mean, like you said, he's a guy that when he gets the ball in space – He's a guy that can score anytime he touches, and I think he's a very, very underrated player. But the overall best running back on this roster, in my opinion, right now is Rico Dowdle. Now, I think if Tyson Williams could ever figure it out, you know, we've heard about he's kind of had some some mental issues as far as, you know, looking really good in practice, and he just can't seem to translate that over to under the lights and bring it to the field and bring it to game day. I think Tyson Williams has got the most talent of anybody on the roster as far as running backs are concerned. I think Tyson Williams is an absolute freak, can make all the moves, has the speed. But overall, I think Rico Dowdle, I mean, anytime you see a guy, to me, the biggest telling thing to me is when Rico Dowdle set out for what? He set out for five games, I think, last year. As soon as he comes back, makes an impact. Michigan game, you saw it right there, ran in for the touchdown. When a guy can do that, when they come back like that and make an immediate impact, you're like, that guy's pretty special. That guy's a pretty good player. So in my opinion, I completely agree with you 100%. I think Rico Dowdle needs to be the number one guy. And I think people – I think Rico Dowdle should be that number one guy as long as he's healthy because, listen, what happened – his freshman season I don't think is the anomaly. I think it is who Rico Dowdle is. And if he can get back to that, I mean, he ran – what did he run for? Like 776 yards in like half a season? I mean, the guy's got talent. It's it's obvious. To me, the guy is – the guy can be one of the top backs in the SEC, in my, my honest opinion. Now, will he get the carries maybe to have the stats with those guys? Probably not. But I think it's just really interesting to see how you can use these guys because I think each of these running backs are good at different things. I mean, I think Rico Dowdle, again, is kind of your all-around. He's a bruiser between the tackles but can also have the explosive place. So I think he's kind of your all-around back. I think Tyson Williams is sort of your home, home run threat, has the speed, has the juking moves, has the ability. Then you're talking about H.A. Turner. He's kind of more your scat back. He's good in halfback draws, screens, speed sweeps. You saw like he had against t- Tennessee for the touchdown there. And then don't forget about Mon Denson. I mean, he had six, he led South Carolina with 61 rushing yards and two touchdowns against Florida a season ago. Um, just kind of a bruiser, big dude. I think a tough guy with a chip on his shoulder. So you know, it, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. But again, Tom, I think, you know, the biggest key for them is establishing who's your number one guy. And then, hey, let's get everybody. And it, to me, again, the offensive scheme, going back to the scheme, 
how are they going to incorporate and rotate these guys in and out? Because you've got a great problem. I mean, South Carolina has an abundance of riches at the running back position. So um, it's going to be very, very, very fun to watch for sure. Um, moving to a very fun position unit to talk about, the wide receiver unit. Um, Tom, I think this one might be the best unit in the SEC, and I, I'm not sure they're even getting enough love in the preseason. Obviously, it's led by Debo Samuel. Um who decided to return for his senior year, thankfully for South Carolina, after suffering an injury in week three a year ago. Um, obviously, we all know what he did. He was selected as a preseason first-team All-SEC wide receiver, all-purpose back, return specialist. Um, he literally played in three games a year ago, had six total touchdowns, which he only played in three games, and he tied for the team lead in touchdowns. Just let that sink in. Um, you've also got Brian Edwards. I'm just kind of going to kind of run through the list here. Um, Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards. Shy Smith or Trey Smith. Then you get into Chavis Dawkins, Randrikus Davis, Chad Terrell, who I think is going to be injured for right the first couple months of the season. You bring in some of these talented freshmen like Josh Van, Darius Rush. Um, you know, talk about Tom. I'm, I'm kind of interested to get your feedback on. I mean, what's your feelings on the the wide receiver unit for South Carolina? Because I, I know as a South Carolina fan, I, I'm giddy to watch these guys, especially when you get in a three four wide set. And you talk about the the Smith the Smith brothers or the Smith duo, if you will, Brian Edwards and Debo Samuel on the field at one time. I mean, as a South Carolina fan, I'm giddy to watch those guys on the field all at once. I mean, yeah, you look at South Carolina, they're RC record, and they have four guys who can be a starter at any colleges in America, in my opinion. I think that Ortre and Shy don't get enough credit. I think, especially Ortre, in my opinion, I think he's a guy that mm-hmm. could be an Alshon Jeffrey type player. Not that he's that level of talent, but I think that he has the same play style, can just go up and get the ball over you. And I think with Shy, you know, more similar to like a Shaq Rowland, but he's actually – and Shaq Rowland, Nick Jones, ex-player, who can actually – but I think he's, his, ta- his production is going to be there compared to those players. And when you look at a guy like Debo, who's a first-round talent and can be a top-10 pick if he's healthy this year and can prove that NFL teams that he's helped can, you know, have a full year of production. And then you look at Brian Edwards, a guy that obviously I think is underrated nationally but could be a top-three-round pick in the NFL. I mean, you don't see a wide receiver talent like that in a lot of places. And it, obviously I think they're the best team, the best wide receiver core in the SEC. I think you'd be hard pressed to find another team that has that much. And you look at a guy like Josh Van, who's one of the, was an army all American last year, probably won't, won't touch the field that much this year at all, which is shocking to me. I just think that the depth they're building at wide receiver is really good. I think that Brian McClendon has done a great job recruiting there. And I think that they're set for a pretty good year. If Jake can get them the ball. Yeah, I 100% agree. And, I mean, I'll tell you this. I talked about how important the offensive line was, really all the positions we've ran through, how important it is. But to me, the most important thing for this 2018 South Carolina Gamecocks offense is the health of Debo Samuel. I mean, this this offense was granted for all of the shortcomings that Kurt Rupert had, and there were, there were many of them. As soon as Debo Samuel went out, this offense changed. I mean, it completely changed. Debo Samuel gives them that home run threat that they just don't have without him. I mean, is and trust me, I'm on the camp with you. Brian Edwards is is a star. He's a star in the making, and I think he's a guy. I mean, he had 793 receiving yards last year, 64 catches, five touchdowns. Doesn't get talked about enough. Guy's a beast. Guy's a flat-out beast, and I, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised to see him get up to 800, maybe 1,000 receiving yards if this offense really gets clicking, but – to me, Debo Samuel, I, what he touched the he, I think he touched the ball nineteen times and he averaged over twenty yards a touch. I mean, the dude's a home run threat. Um, and this South Carolina offense is just different with him on the field. So the biggest thing is, and he hasn't done it since he's been a Gamecock. That's the biggest, maybe the most concerning thing for me going in this season 
is can he stay healthy for a full season? And if he can, I agree with you 100%, Tom. You know, we've seen some projections in the offseason. I mean, there are people projecting Debo Samuels a top 10 NFL draft pick, which is that's some serious company to be in. Uh, but he has that playmaking kind of ability, but it's just can he stay healthy for a full season? And if he can, it, it's just going to make a world of difference with the South Carolina offense. But I, I 100% agree with you that Brian Edwards, absolute freak, underrated, I think. I think the Smith – the Smith, I call them the Smith brothers for some reason. I don't know why I do that. But the uh, the Smith boys, Ortray and Shaw Smith, I mean, Shaw Smith had a – both of those guys, I mean, had a not so quietly good year, but, I mean, a better year than maybe you even think stats-wise. I mean, Shy had 29 catches for 409 yards and three touchdowns. Ortray Smith had 30 catches for 326 yards and three touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, Shy Smith didn't drop a single pass a year ago as a true freshman in any of his targets. So pretty impressive stuff there. So, I, again, you know, Tom, I, I just think it's going to be very, very exciting to watch, again, in the scheme, how they use these guys. And, again, can Debo Samuel stay healthy for a full season? That's going to be the big question that's really going to be surrounding this unit because I think Debo Samuel is the kind of guy, he's gonna when he's on the field, he makes everyone better. He's going to make that entire unit better. He's going to make that entire offense better. Um, moving into the tight end position, very interesting one here as well. Hayden Hurst is gone now, first round pick to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he kind of now leaves a void. You know, I mean, Tom, I think the question for this unit is just who's going to fill his shoes. Um, you've got a ton of different guys, a ton of different options. Jacob August returns the redshirt senior. He's a returning starter from a year ago. Um, Casey Crosby as well. Carl, Kyle Markway, Keel Pollard, Evan Henson, Will Register. There's a ton of good tight ends on this on this roster, and um, Tom, I'm just gonna kind of just let you take this right here and just talk about sort of your initial reactions to how big of a void do you think Hayden Hurst leaving, or how how big of a void do you think Hayden Hurst going to the NFL leaves this South Carolina offense? Do you think they can recover, and do you think there's guys on this roster? Do you think it's going to be one tight end that's going to take up all his receptions, or do you think it's going to be a multitude of guys kind of making up for the loss of Hayden? I think that you know with the way you look at the tight end position last year, it was Hayden, and that's all they cared about throwing the ball to. They weren't, they really weren't trying to get Jacob August the ball. I think he might have had five receptions last year, but I think that you know, with you know, Casey Crosby, I think was a guy two years ago that was, you know, got a lot more targets than he did last year, and I think that him and Jacob August being the blocking tight end, in my opinion, would probably be able to fill the void mostly. But you're not going to replace a first rounder. It's just not going to happen. And I think that you know that obviously tight end position has a lot of depth, like you said, and think that we're. Set up for a good year there, but, you know, it just depends on how much Jake can get them the ball. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Jacob August is a is a really, really solid player. I think he's going to be really used in the run game. Kind of a bigger guy. Like I said, he only had six catches last year. I mean, it's good to have him for when you need him, but I think the guy to watch from the, this this unit of guys, the tight ends, is Casey Crosby. I mean, he was my, my pick a year ago as sort of someone to watch, a breakout player for 2017. Didn't pan out. He only had two catches for 11 yards. He obviously got hurt, um, which really hampered him there. But, you know, I, I think we saw sort of a – you saw a little bit of what he could do in 2016 when he had 23 catches, 217 yards, four touchdowns in 2016 as a sophomore. To me, I, I'm going to be really interested because I think he's just such a versatile player. I mean, I, I think Casey Crosby – his versatility to me is what's going to really set him apart from the rest of the guys. I mean, we really don't know anything about Kyle Markway. He's a redshirt junior, but we don't really know anything about him. Um, only played in two games a year ago. Keel Pollard's kind of a guy who, again, hasn't really done a lot. I mean, he hadn't had to. You've had Hayden Hurst. Evan Henson from the basketball team is a guy that I've heard is an absolute physical freak, a specimen. 
Will Rutt register registered a year ago. So there's a lot of guys you don't know a lot about. I think there's a lot of talent there. But to me, man, I, I think the guy to really, really watch is Casey Crosby because I think he's a guy that can line up at a tight at tight end, be an absolute just a a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. You can put him at tight end, you can slot him in the slot. He's going to be bigger than any defensive back you're going to put on him. So to me, Tom, Casey Crosby's really the guy that I'm looking to see. Hey, what is this guy going to do? Because I think he's got all the talent in the world, and I'd love nothing more to see him go out his redshirt senior year, or it, you know, his senior year to have a a big year for the Gamecocks. I mean, it's just going to make it's just it's just going to make the Gamecocks offense that much more explosive. If they can get any type of production or any type of solid production from their tight ends. Yeah, so, I mean, moving, I, that, well, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I agree. I think KC, if he has a big year, then the tight end group should be, you know, set. I think, like I said before, I think they have a lot of depth. I think that's a good problem to have. I just, I, it's hard to replace Aiden Hurst. Yeah, no, I and I think what's going to happen too is I think a lot of the receptions that Hayden had a year ago are going to go to wide receivers. I mean, I think if Debo Samuel stays healthy, but again, you've got so many options at wide out now. I think a lot of those receptions that Hayden had, because you're thinking, where are his catches going to go? I think a lot of them are going to go to wide receivers, but I just think KC Crosby to me is kind of that wild card in this offense. What can he do? He's sort of the H back type again, tight end hybridish type player can play in the slot again. I just think he's a guy that could be an X factor for South Carolina, and I, maybe not a lot of people are talking about him. Or I'm really expecting a ton out of him, but I think he's a guy that in this new offensive scheme could uh, could give some defenses some trouble. So we've talked about the offense, Tom. We've we've basically broken down every single position. I want to talk about just 2018 as a whole. Um, what are you, you know, let's just kind of almost a prediction, if you will. But what, again, there's a lot to be optimistic about. There's a lot of question marks as well. You got a new OC, you got a new quarterback coach, you got a ton of, you got, you got eight returning starters on offense and a ton of guys that have played. What are you expecting out of this offense? And what will make a successful season for you as a, you know, for this offense? What are you expecting and what what's, What's going to quantify as a success in 2018? I mean, to me, the offense has to average 28 points or more. I think for us to be a 10-win team and to be where I think that the, the whole team as a whole can go, the offense has to put points on the board. I think when Will Muschamp's team scored more than, like, 20 points, he's, like, undefeated maybe or only lost three games, something like something, yeah, something his, crazy. His like record that. when his team scored 21 or more is, is just stupid. It, it's, yeah, a, and, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think the biggest thing as well is that just – South Carolina is going to need to average at least 28 points per game. I think Jake Bentley needs to throw for at least 3,000 yards or more this season. I think he needs to break the 20-touchdown plateau to really take the next step. I think he's going to have to take the next step. I think the biggest keys for the offense, again, Jake Bentley taking the next step, a healthy, a healthy Debo Samuel all season. The offensive line needs to mesh and gel together. Donnell Stanley at center, um, how does he handle the new center position? establishing a number one back and then finding an X factor at tight end to me are going to be the biggest questions, but I think the success for this to be a successful season for this offense, they need to average it. I agree at least 28 points per game. I'd almost say even 30. I mean, I know that's kind of a stretch. I think I said that even a year ago that I, this offense needs to average 30 points per game, but it is a realistic option. They have got weapons all over the field. And then when you play a team like a coastal, like a Marshall, like a Chattanooga, I'm just talking about the smaller games, there's no excuse for South Carolina not scoring at least 35 points. There just really isn't unless you're trying to play conservative, which I do not see that happening this season. So I think we lost Tom there, but want to jump into that's our offensive preview. If you guys have any comments, questions, you know, any feedback, feel free to leave us to us. I mean, you know, you want to give us your opinions on kind of the South Carolina offense leading into 2018. We'd love to hear it. 
Um, a little bit of other news that actually just happened as we were about to come on the air. Luke Doty, 2024-star quarterback out of Myrtle Beach, commits to the Gamecocks. Huge pickup for Will Muschamp and company as they continue their success. On the recruiting trail, really nice pickup for 2020. Um, Doty, a kid that, again, plays quarterback at Myrtle Beach, is obviously a younger guy being a 2020 commitment. Um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, he, he's a guy that has, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about a really, really fast kid. I think he actually heard he ran a 4-4-40. Um, so it's going to be very, very interesting and fun to see. You know, obviously you got to keep that commitment for a long-term period, but, you know, South Carolina, Will Muschamp, those guys continue to kill it on the recruiting trail. So great to see uh, great to see from Doty as well. So, again, not sure what happened to Tom there, but uh, Chris, we're, we're about to re- – Oh, you're here? All right, cool, yeah. cool. So you're here. It, it, I think it, my Wi-Fi went out. I'm sorry, guys. Forget no, 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 you're good. Uh, you know, not at, not in my house right now, recording on the road, basically. Tough for me. But like Chris was saying about Doty, he's a good prospect guy that's been trending up recently, like kind of like Alinsky did. Not that – I think he's got like a really – he's got a lot of offers, you know, many from the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 so far. Guy that I think is going to continue to go up. Um, The only – Way I think his commitment could ever waver is if Clemson offered, and then he would be kind of, you know, be hard there. But I don't think that Clemson's going to offer him. But I think, you know, he's a guy like Helensky, you know, great character, going to be a really good quarterback for us in the future, potentially. If not, you know, he could work out as an athlete, played safety, played started safety last year, some from Myrtle Beach when he, you know, had to move to the bench as a quarterback. But I think he's a guy that the traits are there to be a really good quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, you know, it's great to just see the staff putting in work, not only for right now's recruiting classes for 2019, but obviously looking ahead to 2022, you have to keep building. And, you know, you look at the programs like Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, that's what they do. That's what you have to do in college football. So great to see the staff putting that work in. So um, overall, Tom, any other thoughts on the offense? Anything as far as uh, from you, we're about to we're about to transition into our interview with Michael Felder, formerly of Bleacher Report, currently of Stadium. Any last words on the offense or anything? Uh, Anything else? I think that's the biggest thing for today is that we just have to – for the offense as a whole, I think that they have to have a running game. If it's not there, then we're not going to have a good year in scoring-wise. You know, Jake led the team in rushing touchdowns last year. Unless – and, you know, that's not great for a white kid who's really not that great of an athlete. You know, if it's Kelly Bryant at Clemson, then it kind of makes sense, but not for South Carolina the way our offense works. I just think yeah. that our, our running game has to be better this year. Yeah, and that's a great point you make as well. I, I didn't even bring that up is that Jake Bentley was tied for the, uh, the team lead in rushing touchdowns. I completely agree with you. I mean, it's not so much – it's just that Jake Bentley is not a – not exactly a fleet of foot quarterback. I mean, he can make some guys miss and get you a first down when you need it, but I don't think he should be counted on to lead a team in, in, uh, in rushing touchdowns by any means. But anyways, we're going to wrap up the preview. We're going to move into our interview with Michael Felder. So, again, we appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy this interview with Michael Felder of Stadium. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a very, very special guest, someone we've been trying to get on for a while now. Um, he's at In the Bleachers on Twitter, um, newly employed by Stadium, formerly of Bleach Report, now, now, uh, now with via Stadium. Want to welcome onto the show Michael Felder, college football analyst. Michael, appreciate you having on the show, and congrats on the new gig. Yeah, man, it's been kind of in the works for a while, and I just haven't really said anything about it, but. Uh, they released. They did a press release today, so I guess yeah, every, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, yeah. I saw on Twitter you had the the Drake quote: "Real G's move like lasagna." While we hadn't heard of it, so I, I'm definitely someone who can appreciate a uh, you know good Drake caption. So <laughs> <laughs> that is actually wheezy. 
Weezy, well, yeah, there right you there. go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the real goat. The real mm-hmm. goat, we'll say. All right, so jumping right into it, obviously, again, appreciate you coming on. want to talk a little bit of Gamecocks football. You know, we're getting closer and closer to, to fall camp, to the actual season being here, which is crazy. But, um, you know, want to talk about the Gamecocks. Quick look back at, you know, really just Will Muschamp, 2016, 2017. He's gone 15 and 11. You know, led a team that had three wins in 2015 to six in 2016. Took that team and then led them to eight regular season wins, then a huge bowl win in the Outback Bowl, um, January 1st over Michigan. Just looking back at Will Muschamp's first two years on the job and kind of what people, you know, how people perceived the hire when he was first brought on after, you know, kind of a failure at Florida. How how impressed have you been with the job Will Muschamp's done in his first two years in South Carolina? I've been tremendously impressed. Uh, he's a guy that I was like, I don't, maybe he's just a defensive coordinator um, coming out of after the Florida situation. And then he gets another opportunity uh, at, at South Carolina and he's absolutely knocked it out of the park. He's revved up recruiting. He's clearly um, put his handprints all over that, all over that team in terms of just, I, he wants dogs. He wants guys that are willing to go out there and do what it takes to win football games. And, he got those guys only on defense at Florida. Or actually, he got some good offensive players, but he never could put the offense together. And it seems like he's really relinquished control offensively over the last couple seasons. And uh, that's kind of the biggest thing that he needed to do. And boom, you see success. You see them, you know, scoring points, and you see them being competitive in football games and not being afraid to go out and and play a game that where they can get into the thirties or get into the forties. So I certainly think that this team is uh, they're they're on, they're going in the right direction and this is the right time for them to be uh, trending upward because you just had, you know, that Kirby smarts there with Georgia, but also with Pruitt and with Mullen, if they get on, if they can get things back on track, having a little bit of a head start to that, that, that rebuild, that, that, that program foundation is a tremendous plus for the for the University of South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely 100% agree with you. You know, you mentioned the offense, obviously. I mean, we all know that was Will Muschamp's biggest criticism at Florida. He can never get the offense going. Obviously, no one questions Will, Will Muschamp's, you know, knowledge or being able to, uh, you know, the type of players he brings in on the defensive side of the football. But, you know, this past season, South Carolina struggled a little bit offensively. Um, Will Muschamp finally parted ways with Kurt Roper, who was on with him his last year at Florida, and then he brought over to South Carolina. Um, this year, you know, starting with the bowl game, Brian McClendon served as the interim OC. He's now the, the full-time offensive coordinator. Will Muschamp also brings in Dan Werner as quarterback's coach which I think was a fantastic hire, you know, somebody with a lot of experience, a guy who's been around the game, been around some great programs, some great offenses. Uh, talk about kind of your first impressions on the McClendon hire, bringing Warner in. And do you think that these guys can turn South Carolina into kind of a, I don't know about a juggernaut, but a more productive offense and kind of get rid of that stigma is that is, you know, Will Muschamp can't coach a team that is not only successful and prolific on the defensive side of the ball, but a prolific high scoring offensive team as well. I think the key for them is going to be what, what what type of team do we want to be? I think their best weapons are in the passing game. And, you know, last year I feel like they were kind of middle of the road throwing the football and they had good moments. And obviously you lose Hayden Hurst. So that's going to be a tough, that's a tough one to replace. But on the, on the other side of that coin, you still have Debo, you still have Ortrey, you still have Brian Edwards, there's Shai Smith. Like they have a bounty of wide receivers that can make things happen and that's what makes me excited about watching this offense go. And they're led by a guy, Jake Bentley, who really is coming on strong and has an opportunity 
to um, realistically, he's got an opportunity to play himself into being a name that people mention when it comes to the NFL draft. So when I look at this team, the question becomes, what can we get out of the offensive line? And that 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 works from a sack situation where you're talking about what do we do? What can we do in the passing game? But more importantly, it works in the run game. If you if South Carolina, last year they were what 111th in rushing, right? So this team didn't run the ball consistently, and they didn't run the ball very well. That's an offensive line situation, and I think you have to get better play out of your offensive line, not just to keep Bentley up, but to have a viable run game because you can't throw every single play. And the ability to run the ball, especially in short yardage situations, if you can get into second and short, it makes your passing game more effective because you have the ability to work play action. So I think that's going to be the key for me is what can we get? And listen, Dan Warner, great. Bring him in, coach up Bentley, get that's going to be great. But offensive line wise, you have to find a way to to manufacture yards on the ground consistently. And that's the thing that I'm going to be looking for this year. Yeah, and I 100% agree with you. We actually uh, kind of looked, took a deep dive into the offensive line yesterday, kind of breaking down our position units, and I definitely agree with you. I mean, it's a unit. They bring back 71 total starts. You lose two guys, but you're bringing back your best, in my opinion, your, your best offensive lineman and Zach Bailey. You're moving a guy who's very capable over center and Donnell Stanley. And, you know, Will Muschamp, he mentioned it at SEC Media Days. He feels on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, but he feels very good about for his first six guys on the offensive line after that, it's a lot of talent, but it's a lot of guys who haven't played any, if, you know, maybe a couple snaps, but if any snaps, a lot of youth and experience there. But how much of it, how much do you think? Because I think a lot of, te- you know, I could be wrong, but I think a lot of reasons that the offenses go fast now is because it does mask over for maybe a, a lack of talent or a lack of inexperience. That's kind of where the, the spread offense sort of started. How much do you think scheme-wise could help out this offensive line in run blocking, in pass blocking? Because they were better a year ago from 2016 where – yeah. They gave up, I think, 41 sacks and only yes. averaged, I think, 80 yards rushing game. It was absolutely abysmal. But like you said, last year, they need to improve on that 122 yards per game rushing mark. And I think, you know, what I said for a successful year for this offensive line, they can get to 150 yards per game rushing. And I speak for, I think, all South Carolina fans, they need to be better in short yardage situations because there was, I mean, a number of times where South Carolina would have third and one, fourth and one, and just literally could not get a yard. Do you think the – the high tempo of the offense and the new scheme is going to help out that offensive line at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think the big key, and it'll be interesting to watch with Bentley because he's not a, you don't think of him as a traditional run threat when it comes to being a quarterback, although we have seen him at times be willing to go out there and put his body on the line and pick up some yards. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch from a tempo standpoint. Does that mean like we're going to be watching some rhythm passing? We're going to get to see some shotgun and, and, throw it on on quick beats that's going to help the offensive line out. But I also think in that, that we go back to the run game. And with the run game, being able to give guys two-way goes, and that's a quarterback and a running back working together. So you still got to – you got to block zone. doesn't matter if it's tempo or not. you got to block zone. And you got to block power. And you got to block, uh, you know, a counter. you got to block all these things. And from a scheme standpoint, without a quarterback on a play-in and play-out basis – working to manipulate linebackers, the offensive line is still going to have to do a lot of that heavy lifting in terms of moving guys around, although we'll see them work, you know, jet action into things and uh, plays and plays off of that jet action. So you do have two options in the backfield. They can work some of the, the cross gives where you have, we give, we, if one guy goes left, one guy goes right. Now you've got a, either a lead blocker or you have someone, you have 
someone running off the backside of the zone instead of running it to the front side. So they have some of those little things that they can do to make it work. But same time, offensive line, they have to continue to improve. I know they got better a year ago. Now they have to continue to improve to where they become uh, something somewhat of a dominant force. Absolutely. No, 100% agree. It's still a line of scrimmage league for sure, any any level you play at. Um, sticking on the offensive side, Debo Samuel, um, in your opinion, is he the most – he has to stay healthy, obviously. I think we know that. He's got to stay healthy for an entire season, something he just, you know, to be honest, really has not been able to do since he came on to South Carolina. If he can stay healthy the entire season, do you think he's explosive playmaker in college football? I think he's one of them. Uh, obviously, I think for North Carolina fans, Anthony Ratliff-Williams is that guy. I think if you're looking around the country, um, there are a couple other people that kind of fit into that same mold of just explosive playmaker. Uh, the key, though, again, you mentioned he's got to stay healthy. Like he's he's got to be healthy. He has to be on the field. That what they lose without him is this dynamism to turn every play into a home run. And when you don't have that. It makes it so it makes it infinitely easier on the defense, and I think that's the thing we all kind of have to circle and look for is the fact that if you don't have like Brian Edwards, I think is a phenomenal every every play wide receiver, a big body that can block people out and catch the football. But every play with him, you're not worried that someone misses a tackle and he's going to score a touchdown. Debo Samuel has that to his game, and the key is going to be being able to use that because if he's if people are worried about him on every play now you see things open for shy you see things open for orchard you see things open for edwards and that's the big part that i'm looking forward to i think when you look at um when you look at him in the in the offense and the scheme he becomes one of those guys that you can work into the jet sweep he becomes a guy that you can put into the backfield recognize that a linebacker is going to have to try and cover him and then you motion him out or you leave him in the backfield and let him run his route from the backfield so that he gets a mismatch and that mismatch can turn into a touchdown. So watching him is going to be watching him be healthy is going to be absolutely critical for the South Carolina team. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see how they use him in the new scheme. I mean, Jake Bentley at SEC Media Days referred to you might see Debo Samuel throwing a touchdown pass. Yeah. I mean, you never you never know how they're going to use him. I mean, it may be in a wildcat situation, but just being a threat on the outside, being a threat in special teams, obviously we saw what he did last year, which in my opinion with him going down makes what South Carolina did during their season maybe even a little bit more impressive, not having their top guy on offense. Um, moving over to the defensive side, which I think is your specialty, um, the Gamecocks, and they lose Sky Moore, um, lose a couple other pieces on the defensive line. However, in my opinion, they return a ton of talented guys, TJ Brunson, Javon Kinlaw, who I think is going to be a freak this year, defensive tackle. Um you know, South Carolina led the SEC in takeaways a year ago. Is it is it too much to ask to ask that defense to do that again? Yeah, because turnovers are luck a lot of times, and I think it's one of those things that, in on a very micro level, uh, game to game, winning the turnover battle is something that you you absolutely love. Like you're like, yeah, we won the turnover battle in this game because we forced X, Y, and Z. But I think over the course of a season turnovers also boil down to luck. I mean, that's a quarterback. The ball slips out of his hands and goes backwards and you scoop it up. That's a fumble that, you know, you didn't cause the guy, the ball, the the ball came out of the guy's hands, but it bounced the right way to your guy instead of right back to him. So I think there's a little bit of luck involved with turnovers, but when it does come to forcing turnovers, you still want to do all those little things. And I think that means you have to, you have to strip, you have to, 
read defense. I think the the linebackers is are going to be absolutely critical. Uh, watching uh, what is it, Danny Danny Farrell and Fanel, and watching T.J. Brunson, watching those guys read the quarterback to get into passing lanes. That's a turnover that you force, and I think those are the type of things that they're going to have to be good at this year to make sure that they get the ball out of the hand, out of out of the defense, out of the offense's hands. And I think the interesting part here for me at least from this from a defensive standpoint is how are you going to get sacks how are you going to get pressure on the quarterback because i look at the roster and there's not a part like dj wonham absolutely is a guy that can get pressure but as a whole those those three guys those four guys up front i don't think that they are necessarily scary on a play in play out basis, the way that you see at a place, whether it's Alabama or it's Ohio state, or it's even USC now that they've got a healthy Porter Gustin. I don't know that you have that, that same fear. And so you're going to have to manufacture pressure. And that means blitzes. That means, you know, zone blitzes, some sort of exotic pressures where you have, whether it's a safety or it's a nickel. And I'm very curious to watch uh, Jamias Williams to watch him get involved into some of that because that's a way where you can create the opportunity for turnovers because of the element of surprise. Yeah. And that's one guy I was definitely going to touch on next. Cause I know, you know, you're obviously big into the secondary. I think you played, uh, what was it safety. cornerback yeah. or safety in, in, in college? Um, talk about your, I know Jamias Williams. I think I heard him talk, heard you talk about him last year. He's a guy you're really high on. And I mean, obviously for good reasons. I mean, there's questions in the South Carolina secondary, but, one question there will not be is whether Jemias Williams will be on the field week one or not. Talk about just your impressions of him. And, I mean, do you think he's kind of the next great defensive back, Will Muschamp defensive back that gets drafted to the NFL? Because the kid definitely kind of – I mean, he has raw talent for sure. I absolutely love Jemias Williams. Like, I have for, goodness, I, years. Like, this is a guy that I saw – first saw him, I think he was a sophomore or a junior – and I think he was a sophomore. Then I saw him again as a junior and got to spend a lot of time with him over the summer, uh, between at, over the summer at the out at the opening. And he is just, I mean, good grief. I mean, he's a ball of energy. He's and he was one of those guys that I remember thinking he should be a five star. He, he's a he's a five star player. He is one of the top three or four corners in this class. Why isn't he a five star? And we know why he wasn't a five-star because he wasn't as tall as they, you want your five-star right. guy to be, but he's every there, every ounce of him is a football player. And obviously they're going to have him play in some of that safety position, playing some nickel, moving him around to places that are advantageous to them. And he just is so dynamic. I think he clears up. He, he plugs a lot of holes uh, because of what he can do, which is everything. I think he's very similar to a guy, Duke Dawson, who played at Florida that came in as a corner, played some safety, played some corner, played some nickel. I think he's very similar, maybe a little higher skill level even. But he absolutely can be another great Will Muschamp defensive back. He's a disruptor. He reads the quarterback well. He can play zone or man. Uh, this is a guy that's going to give – he makes everyone else's life in the back end much easier because he's got the ability to do things that other guys just cannot do. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's a guy that – maybe not enough people are talking about just how good he's going to be because he is moving to a new position. I mean, do you think there's anything, you know, because you do know the position, is there anything that he's going to need to work on or be better at or something maybe that you're looking for or watching for specifically that, you know, let's see how he reacts to that or maybe something that he's going to find out. Maybe 
something about playing that position that's going to be a little bit more difficult than playing like the traditional corner like he was last year. Do you think it'll be an easier like transition for him? Well, here's the thing. Ordinarily, when you talk about a corner moving to safety, I, I always wonder how are they going to hold up? What's your durability going to look like? Because there's a lot more contact. There's a lot more involvement. You get to in, you get into the interior of the defense. You play between the hashes. You you got to come downhill and make plays. But he played a lot of nickel last year, and nickel is right there. That's right there with the linebackers. That's right there. You know, you're three yards, four yards, five yards off the line of scrimmage. You go in and you make plays. So I think for him, that part is going to feel. I think it's going to feel very similar. I think the, the question mark moving to safety is going to be how does he handle maybe not being as close to the action because the safety is going to be there are going to be times where he's going to be off the ball, not just off the ball, but like 15 yards off the ball and then moving back to 30 as the play happens and how he handles that. The big key is going to be it's okay if you're not in on the action. It means everybody else is doing the right thing. And I think uh, as a guy that played safety and played combo safety, strong and free, I think in basically in today's game, you have to be able to play strong and free. You have to do that because of all the the way people motion and the way they come out in different formations and the shifts. You got to be able to do both. I think that there can be a tendency to let those eyes get lost in the backfield, even a little bit. I'll say a little bit of boredom. Um, if a couple plays go by and you're not even like you're not in, you're not even close to being in on the tackle because you're farther off the ball. I think that's going to be interesting because they can also get you at that with play action. If your eyes are in the backfield looking to go make a play, then you're not doing your job and then they can get behind you. So I think for him, it's just going to be all about doing his job. He's fully capable of doing this job. It's certainly something that suits him just fine. I think he will like, I think he really will enjoy his new role in the action and they can still use him at nickel all the time, whenever they want. So I think it's going to be very interesting. But for me, I think that not being as involved at times can be a little bit frustrating. But I think he's going to find a way to make that work. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see it. I mean, you knew, you know, South Carolina fans, I think, got their first glimpse of how special he could be or kind of just a look oh, at yeah. his talent when – uh. You know, I just remember specifically the Missouri game when Drew Locke looks, thinks he has a man wide open in the flat, and Jamias Williams with that breakaway speed just, I mean, felt like he came out of nowhere, picked the ball off, and you're thinking, wow, this this kid can move a little bit. So it'll be a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, jumping into the schedule a little bit, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about that week two matchup, South Carolina, Georgia, and Williams-Brice, 330 kickoff. There's going to be obviously a ton of hype you know, around that game. It may be mm-hmm. two ranked teams going against each other, kind of depending how the AP poll plays out, you know, leading up into the season. Um, I saw an interesting poll on Twitter today, and I kind of just want to get your feedback because South Carolina's two biggest rivals are Georgia and Clemson. I think that's a pretty, sure. pretty fair statement to make. South Carolina hasn't beaten either of those teams since 2014 when they beat Georgia 35, I think it was 38-35 in Williams-Brice Stadium. Do you think they have a chance? Because that's definitely the two biggest bears on their schedule by far, the two best teams. Do you think they have a chance to finally break that streak this year and then just looking at the week two matchup, how excited are you for that game? And do you think South Carolina can pull the upset in Columbia? I'm very excited for the game itself. Um, as far as can they pull it off? I mean, let's not, I mean, they lost by two touchdowns last year to, to Georgia and by three, almost four, almost four touchdowns last year to Clemson. I think the Georgia one is a little more interesting to me because Georgia is a very good football team. But Georgia has a football coach that's very, that's a lot more comfortable winning games. You know, he's a lot more comfortable playing twenty four to ten football games. 
He's very comfortable. He'd love. I, I think Kirby Smart is very much like Nick Saban. Is very much like Will Muschamp, with the idea of if I can just win this thing seven to nothing, I'll be fine. That's what I would love to do. So I think that Georgia, if we're going to pick one of those two teams, I think Georgia's probably the one. Even though they play for a national championship, the reality is I don't think that they have the step on the gasness that Clemson has uh, in terms of using their weapons to go out and score points. Clemson's a football team that. As good as their defense is, they're so offensively motivated because of the mentality of their head football coach. And I think for Georgia going into this football game, I think the key is going to be what's happening at the quarterback spot, right? Like South Carolina knows who their quarterback is going to be. I think for South Carolina to win this football game, it'll take a little bit of Georgia still trying to figure out exactly who they are. And are we a Jake Fromm-led football team? Are we a Justin Fields-led football team? Are we still playing? It's the second game of the season. Are we still playing two quarterbacks to try and figure this out? Does one of them make a mistake pressing? I think that's the opportunity that South Carolina needs. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think Georgia still, in my mind, has an edge in this football game. But I certainly believe that that South Carolina has an opportunity. They just have to. Georgia's going to have to help them out in terms of being able to take advantage of it. Yeah, and I agree. And I would say, you know, just – from an objective standpoint, I definitely think Georgia is still a more talented football team, obviously, but it's going to be kind of one of those games, like you mentioned earlier, talking about the turnovers. It's going to be kind of one of those games where you get maybe, you know, a, a fluky, I don't want to say fluky, but a fluky turnover, a, yeah. kind of a lucky turnover, if you will. It's okay to call them flukes. Like we've <laughs> built this whole thing in our mind about turnovers being something that a team can control, but the reality is a lot of turnovers are completely uncontrollable. Right. No, 100%. What I was going to say is getting kind of off, maybe off of South Carolina a little bit, but it does relate to the game. You know, I obviously have a lot of buddies who are Georgia fans. A lot of them are very, very excited about Justin Fields. And I had a Georgia friend of mine bring this up to me. He said, you know, what if in that first game, and Georgia plays Austin P. it's going to be a breeze. They're not going to have a problem with it. But he just said, just imagine this, Chris. What if Jake Fromm and the offense go out there, maybe they go three and out their first two, first three drives. Who knows what happens? Um, maybe he throws a pick and Justin Fields goes out there and look like, looks like a world beater. Yeah. I mean, do, do you really think that's something that could realistically happen? And do you really realistically think that's that there could be some sort of a quarterback controversy coming into week two? Because, because in my opinion, it sounds ridiculous. I mean, Jake Fromm led you to the national title game, but obviously with the way freshman quarterbacks come in now, there's always competition. You see it at Alabama. You're seeing it at Georgia. Heck, you're even seeing it at Clemson. I mean, do you think that's something that could be a real storyline going in that game? Because in my opinion, if it is, that's going to be a huge upside for South Carolina. Yeah, I absolutely believe it is. Um, Justin Fields is the best quarterback I've seen probably since Josh Rosen. And wow. obviously that's only like a two, three, that's only like a three, four year window. But we are talking about a kid that, and he's, realistically Rosen more advanced from a understanding like not even really more advanced Justin Fields I think coming out I, I feel more highly about him than I felt about Rosen I knew Rosen was very good but I also knew how good Rosen would be based upon some physical limitations Justin Fields is already as good as Rosen could ever be and I think he can only get better so this the kid is really good and Keep in mind, when you talk about leading a team to a national championship or playing for a national, that's what Jalen Hurts did. And it took a while, but Tua, I was, I remember saying, listen, Tua's going to be the starter for this team. I don't care if Hurts has the transfer or if he gets, if he gets injured, Tua's going to find a way on the football field and he's not coming off it. And I think Fields is the same way. The best thing that Fromm can do is do everything right, which leads to 
playing a little tight leads to some, you know, some interceptions or leads to a fumble because you're so, I can't mess up that you mess up. And so certainly he can feel him breathing on his neck coming for that job. And I don't think George is going to just give the job to Fields. I think he's going to have to take it, but I think he's fully capable of doing that. Right. And yeah, like I was yeah, actually when you were talking, I just realized, I mean, last year, Jake Fromm, a freshman, led Georgia to the national title game. So it's not yeah. absolutely unheard of for a true freshman to just right. take over like that over a and more took, veteran QB. He took over for, you know, it was a, a little, a light injury. But once he got on the field, there was no taking him off. And I think that that's a situation that Fields finds himself in. And he certainly believes that he should be the starter. And we'll see how it works out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know everybody's really excited. I want to move into recruiting just a little bit before we finish up here, because I know recruiting is kind of your sweet spot. It's a you know huge part of what you do. Um, talk about just the South Carolina 2019 class. I mean, obviously, I think it's shaping up pretty well right now. You've got Ryan Helinski, the quarterback who we, we just had on our show a couple of days ago. Um, you got Zach Pickens, the defensive end. A couple other guys shaping up. I mean, I, I've heard some people say that this could potentially be I mean, without a doubt, Will Muschamp's best class at South Carolina, but one of the best maybe in school history. What's, what's your take and just kind of how do you see the class playing out for South Carolina? Got to get to the finish line, and I think that's the big key. I think when you look at uh, Pickens, is, uh, Zach Pickens is from, what, Hannah High School. He's a guy that absolutely fits that five-star mold. He can come off the edge and make plays. I think he's a perfect fit for Will Muschamp because he's a guy that can play that five technique and still get pressure. Like, I, I don't think he's a stand-up buck-type player. I think he's someone that plays a five technique. He probably ends up playing at 275, maybe 280. Uh, he's six foot five. He's got long arms. He's got an opportunity to be a complete disruptor in that defensive scheme, and that's, that's certainly something to get excited about. Holinsky is very good. Like, he is – he's one of those he, – he's, he's built to be a quarterback. Like, he's done all the stuff that – I mentioned Rosen earlier. I mentioned Fields, but he's done all that stuff. He's done all the – whether we're talking about, you know, like the quarterback camps and the quarterback coach, he's done all that stuff. Uh, same with Bentley. Like he's he's that type of a quarterback. And then when you start you start to go down the list, I think Jamario, I think Jamario Holly is another one. He's from right up the road in, in South in Rock Hill. That's not too far from me here in Charlotte. Uh, actually looking forward to getting a chance to see him play uh, if I can before if I if I can this season. He's a wide receiver that's super dynamic. I think his speed is just absolutely off the charts and has the ability to to make contested catches which is what you want to see out of a guy that's you know right around or right under six feet tall and so they just got a lot of they've got a lot of good talent on the high side and then they've got developmental players like Jamar Brown from St. Thomas Aquinas and the cool thing with him is look I get it he's only like 200 pounds but he plays at St. Thomas and St. Thomas Aquinas is a school that is built to play football so you're getting a guy that's going to need some development physically like he's going to have to add some weight but he knows what he's doing on the football field. And that's one of those things that I absolutely freaking love about, 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 um, about recruiting a place like St. Thomas Aquinas who has – they've got a million kids that go out and play D1, and they're all well-coached, and they're all well-taught, and they all come in, and they're ready to grind. He understands the work that it takes because of the way their football program is built. So that's something to definitely get excited about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And I agree with you. I think it's one of those things where – uh, we saw yesterday with I think it was Trayvon Walker, the D lineman. You're not going to win every single battle you go up against in those, you know, with the big boys, with Georgia, with Clemson, Alabama. Mm-hmm. But I feel like South Carolina is maybe getting in some conversations they weren't a couple years ago with some players, and I think they're starting to actually win a couple battles. Maybe they weren't winning a couple years ago. So I think it's 
you know, in my opinion, I think it's something South Carolina fans should definitely be excited about. And it's kind of a testament to, I mean, the job that Will Muschamp sort of promised he, you know, he would do when he got here is that he would hit the road and, you know, be a strong recruiter. And I think without a doubt, he's done that. Yeah, man, he's, he's on the road. I, I know he's in Charlotte all the time. Like he is, he's, he's in, when you're in Charlotte, that means you're in, that means you could be anywhere from going to Rock Hill all the way up to Cabarrus County. Obviously, uh, you know that he, they like to get into North Carolina and snatch the players away. Uh, Rick Sandage, last year's top guy, he's from he's from right up the road in Concord. So, absolutely, watching him get those things done is is really exciting because he builds good football players, and I think that's something that that can't be understated. The idea, the fact is that if you go play football, especially defense for Will Muschamp, he's going to make sure that you know how to play real ball. He's going to make sure. You're not just an athlete running around. You understand how all the pieces fit, where you fit into that puzzle, and the best way to get things done. So absolutely, absolutely exciting. And hopefully they just close strong. You got the the two signing days now with in December and then again in February. Like it's just a matter of closing strong and, and holding everybody else off. Absolutely, absolutely. So before I get you out here, Michael, one last question. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, looking at the 2018 South Carolina Gamecocks at their overall season, Vegas has got them over under seven and a half, I believe, right now. Just taking a look at the team and that schedule, where do you see South Carolina finishing the 2018 season? All right, so let's go through this. I think they win week one, so that's one win. I'm going to say lose to Georgia. They're going to beat Marshall. That's two. Beat Vandy. That's three. Beat Kentucky. That's four. Beat Mizzou. That's five. We're already at five wins right now, and then the rest of that schedule – I think they beat AM. They're playing at home. That's six wins. Beat Tennessee is seven. Beat Ole Miss is eight. I think Florida's an interesting one. So let's give them another. Let's give them a loss to Florida on the road. And then let's give them a win against Chattanooga and a loss to Clemson. So what, what does that add up to? Nine and nine three and with three, a bowl yeah. game? That's not bad. Yeah. And that's where I've got them too right now. I mean, obviously, I think the ball could bounce either way to where they could be eight and four. Or they could even be 10 and two. But I think right now, I think that's a safe pick with nine and three. And yeah. You know, I had this had this conversation with, you know, good good buddy of yours, Barrett Salee, a couple yeah. months ago. He came on the show and, you know, we were talking about the schedule too. And I basically told Barrett, I said, listen, if you if you look at a single South Carolina fan, they tell you they wouldn't be happy with a nine win season when it's only happened seven times in school history. They're sure. they're lying to you. So yeah. um yeah. I, nine I, and three be- with a bowl game and a chance to win ten games. I think that that's outstanding from where they were during a season where the head coach just quit in the middle of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know everybody's going to be excited to watch, and obviously you'll be covering it all. I know, as we've talked before, kind of off air, your uh, your Saturday's about to get real busy. So, yeah, man, (laughs) a lot of fun. But hey, we appreciate you having on. Let everybody know where they can see your work now and where they can find you on social media and everything. Yeah, on social, you can find me on Twitter at in the bleachers. I n t h e b l e a c h r s at in the bleachers. Uh, I use Instagram, but I don't use it for like football or for work. It's just delicious for food. food though. Delicious just, food. I've seen it. That's at it's Felder, I-T-S-F-E-L-D-E-R. Um, and then for me, yeah, it's cats out of the bag. I have a new job. I'm working with stadium. It's a, uh, you can follow stadium on Twitter at watch stadium. You can download the app, the stadium app on your phone. They we're going to do, we, they broadcast games. So they have a bunch of the mountain West games that they'll run through the platform. A bunch of conference USA games. They'll run through the platform, high school games, as well so you get to see some of the recruits actually go get out there and play and i'm going to be doing uh some live video for stadium uh we're going to do a 30-minute college show we're going to talk about everything college football uh all across the country and then i'm going to do also a high school show where we're going to get into recruiting and 
really dig into where guys are going. What do they look? What does their future look like? Where do they fit on the depth chart? So very much excited to do that. And again, that's at Watch Stadium on Twitter and download it in the App Store. You'll be getting a bunch of content. Yeah, for sure. Everybody tune in. I know we will. Um, but that's going to wrap us up again. If you haven't done so, be sure to rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up Show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your podcasts. Also, check us out on all our social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and, of course, armchelamericans.com. So for Michael Felder, Thomas Boyd, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next time on the next episode of the Spurs Up Show. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.